Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Let's welcome in Shane O'Brien now, co-host of the Missing Curfew pod. Hey, uh, you know, you guys are selling swag, eh, as well? <laughs> where, where are we getting t-shirts and hats? We can't afford them up here. <laughs> I listen. You, you got you to talk to Upshaw about that. He's so cheap with the merchandise. Every time I ask to give it out, he's like, ah. I don't even know if we have a friends and family discount. He's so cheap. <laughs> oh, listen. We, we, I need the NHL alumni uh, discount or else uh, I'm done. I'm done. How are you? Yeah, I, I'm doing well, boys. I'm doing well. It's actually uh, it's moving day for me down here in Newport, so I'm moving from one place to another. But, Kipper, I got traded so much that uh, moving for me is pretty easy. I was such a suitcase. No <laughs> you're just moving because you're, you're expecting to move. That's why you have no reason to move exactly. other than it's habit. Exactly. I can't get more comfortable in like two years in one spot. I'm like, this is weird. Usually they traded me after two years. Why am I still here? So I had to, I had to pull the trigger and move out. Yeah. Uh, in between uh, uh, taping boxes uh, last night, we had a, a few marquee games uh, and and the one that we covered last night, obviously Toronto and Boston. Just your overall thoughts. It's uh, it's a dragon that needs slain for Leaf fans. Uh, Leafs against the Boston Bruins. I'm not sure last night did that, but it didn't hurt. Oh, it didn't hurt at all. It was it was a little bit of a mini statement for me. And and you know what? I'll be honest. I took the Leafs head into the game. Um, you know they were underdogs, but I just thought you know they were tied with Boston in the standings. Um, you know, to me, they showed some character, boys. They went in there. They got off to a great start. They made it one nothing. Boston makes it 1-1. Could have won either way. They come back, make it 2-3-1, and uh, the rest is history. So, listen, as you know, Kipper, throughout the season, there's, there's little games that mean more than others. And, and for the Buds, I think that's definitely one that meant more than just a regular season game, a normal regular season game, sorry. Yeah, so when you watch them, do you, do you have reason to believe that this is different than previous years, that's this whole season. What it's been on this show is, you know, why do we think they may or may not be different than previous seasons? Do you see any reason to feel differently? Oh, listen, boys, I'm I'm hard on the Leafs. I'm an Ontario boy too. I shouldn't be. You know, I <laughs> I grew up a diehard Leafs fan. Um, I still think they're too soft, personally. But I will tell you this: I, I believe their power play is still number one in the NHL. Their penalty kill is top five in the NHL. If they continue to call the rules the same way in the playoffs, and the Leafs can continue to have their special teams humming like that, then maybe it could be a different year for them. But I'm not sure how they're going to call it come playoff time, and I can't wait to find out. <laughs> we, we didn't exactly see a five-minute major uh, when Taylor Hall <laughs> took a swing at uh, Labushkin, knocked him out of the game. So uh, is that not an indication that uh, the Leafs better find a way to push back a little bit or else you're dealing with that and uh, a few cross-checks over your captain's uh, hip? Yeah, exactly. And listen, I mean, is there any other reason to go after Taylor Hall than just to go after Taylor Hall? I mean, if he does that to one of your players, I would have been the first guy in there trying to get after. But, it, you know, it can't be a guy like me. It's got to be, you know, I know Tavares isn't like that. And I know Matthews isn't like that. Like, that's the thing that scares me, Solis, is like they're top-end guys. Kipper, you know, you were, you were a role player, tough guy, won a cup. But, but those guys are going to be there. It's your top guys, your superstar guys that got to get out of their comfort zone and, and go into areas that they're not used to doing that. And I just don't know if the superstars for the Leafs are going to do it. So who do you like that has that element? Because you look at a couple teams who seem to be, they believe what you believe. The, that, that, that element is so crucial. Calgary kind of got tough. Minnesota's tough. Nashville's A lot of the teams out west seem more built in that style, eh? Yeah, yeah. It, it brought a tear to my eye. I'm sure Kipper a little bit too at the deadline. 
Minnesota a while ago and get DeLaurier, who I absolutely loved. I was hoping the Avalanche were going to go after DeLaurier. Like, I, I've watched him this year, fellas, out here in Anaheim. What he did for this team, not just fighting, but penalty killing and sticking up for his teammates, that was a great pickup. But uh, listen, if Darcy Kemper plays the way he did last night at the Saddle Dome, then I don't know if anybody can beat the Avalanche, but I, I think the Wild are going to be a tough out. Calgary, St. Louis has a big team. It's going to be a battle out here west. And let's not forget about Vegas if they get in. Like, if they get in, who knows what they're going to do. Right. Pittsburgh and the Rangers, and you talk about your your, your stars. I mean, is there one that, uh, you know, doesn't put up with crap more than Sidney Crosby? And we think of him as uh, our generational player, but there's a guy that doesn't look over his shoulder and wait for somebody to come in and and send messages. He's not scared to send a message himself. Yeah, and you know what, Kipper? I played a lot against Sid throughout my career and, you know, playing against them, I would chirp them about, you know, complaining to the refs and this and that, all your soft Crosby, quit complaining. But listen, I got to know him since I've done, since I've retired. He's a great guy. The stuff he went through early in his career against the Flyers and teams like that, abusing them. Like, I mean, what Sidney Crosby's doing this year and done throughout his career, um, it's unbelievable. I just have so much respect for him for the skill he has, but the, the bite that he has to his game too. Was there, uh, you know, I'm fascinated by that element of the game. Was there anyone that you enjoyed chirping the most? Anyone who didn't take it so well? We saw Marchand <laughs> going at uh, JT last night. We were fascinated by that. Yeah, you know what? There was a clip that came up last night. It was the anniversary of a little line brawl we had at the United Center where uh, Burrish was going after the Sedins and then yeah. Biesta fought Eager. And then um, I used to love chirping Adam Burrish. Uh, he did fight me one time. Uh, it was a bit of a mismatch for him, but he was the one guy that I would love to chirp. Uh, and at the same time, uh, he had so much material coming back. I mean, those games were so much fun back in the day. There was uh, chirping and fighting. It was it, it was fun to see. That was always a good rivalry. We talk about uh, the star players uh, taking matters in their own hands. Better example than Nathan McKinnon and, and Dumba, and we know that it cost him uh, not playing against Calgary. But, you know, where's the fine line between – you, you like to see that type of response. And then there's the other factor that says, oh, my God, we just lost our best player. Yeah, it's such a great point. Um, I loved it. When I saw him, when I saw him squaring off, and, and you know, and this, when you square off, it's a scary feeling no matter who you are. And your best player, arguably one of the best players, at least squares off with Dumba, ends up giving it to him. I, I love it. I love the way Nathan McKinnon plays. I love that he finishes checks. He's a bowl down low. He's willing to fight. I was disappointed in Joe Sackick at the deadline. I thought they should have went and got a little bit more team toughness. We obviously had McDermott, uh, but I love what Nate did. But at the same time, I hope to God his his hand's not broken or something like that because that would be terrible. Obi, you're living in California, is that right? Yeah, Newport Beach here, yeah. Nice. So you're in California. You got a podcast called Missing Curfew. Like, I have a, a hunch you went out a little bit here and there in the day. Do guys still go out <laughs> now? Like, we heard, like, you know, Florida was in Montreal on Monday or on Thursday, and they went out and got after it a bit. Like, is it is it as common as when you played? I don't think it's quite as common as when I played. And the Kipper would have probably said about my era, it wasn't as common as right. his era, right? I, yeah, think yeah. Like every, I think, like, every generation, it slows down a little bit. So no one's ever going to have fun um, in soon? Is that where we're going? No, I, I think there's some teams out there that I know there's a couple teams out there that are, are turning the clocks back a little bit and having a good time. And it was, it was funny. Andrew Raycroft tweeted something about, Oh, bet against Florida. They're having the rookie party. I always went the other way. If a team had the rookie party, bet on, bet on them, bet on them. Get a good night. The, the, the dressing room is going to be going. They're going to be guilty and they're going to find a way to get it done. You know, the biggest difference now is that, you know, 
we has to we had to go out and find the party, and now uh, the the kids on their phones they invite the party in. Yeah, that's true. Right? You just uh, yeah. You're in New York City, though. You're, it wasn't hard to find a party, Kipper. I don't think. No, yeah, it was it was always it was always the chase that got me in trouble, right, Kipper? I mean, if it was if it would have been easy just on your phone to maybe meet a female or something, I might not have been out as much. I might have been in my hotel room a little bit more. It probably would have been better for me. Just got to ride the right coattails. You <laughs> go right? with the right people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Were you one this time of year, Shane, to um, scoreboard watch? Uh, it's it's obvious that everybody does it if you're fighting for a playoff spot. But now we're looking at uh, many teams now scoreboard watching potentially for uh, seeding and picking your opponents. And we're watching. Yeah. In the, we're watching in the West right now, and you can't tell me that a team like Colorado, as successful as they are would probably be a lot more comfortable playing, say, Dallas than they would Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, could you imagine if Vegas gets in and the Colorado's going to play them in the first round? It would, it would be unbelievable. But for me, Kipper, the one year in, in Colorado, actually, we overachieved, and, and we were just trying to get in the playoffs. And I was, you know, as a veteran guy, I was looking at the standings every day, and it, and it kind of affected my play down the stretch, to be honest with you. And it kind of affected our whole squad because we were younger and we were just always scoreboard watching. And then, you know, my two years in Vancouver, Nashville, we were in the playoffs. So you're just looking at, you know, who you match up better against and stuff like that. And um, But if you're trying to get in the playoffs this time of year, you're definitely watching other teams. So what's the experience for these teams who are eliminated from the postseason but keep winning games? Like, you, know, you see Montreal push back the other night. They're down against Florida, and they push back to tie it up. You, know, you look at some teams at the bottom of the standings, still competitive. What are guys playing for who are at the other end of the spectrum right now? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, I mean, Marty St. Louis, one of my favorite teammates, and what a job he's done in Montreal. I hope I hope Marty's in it for the long haul because he's done such a great job. But um, as an ex-player, you know, you're, you're playing for your job, and you're playing for, you know, you want to spoil other teams. I remember I was just talking about that year in Colorado. We were trying to get the playoff spot. We played Columbus three times in the last 15 games. They were way out of it. They beat us all three games, and it basically cost us our playoff spot. So uh, you're playing spoiler. And then obviously you're playing for a job and your livelihood. And it's a privilege to play in the NHL. And there's some long days, as, as Kipper knows, and everyone knows who played the game. But at the end of the day, you're going out there to play a National Hockey League game. You want to get the two points. You think Dallas has enough to close this thing out? They've got the games in hand. But uh, uh, where do you see that final uh, spot going out uh, in, in the Western Conference? Yeah, I, it's so tough now because Vegas is – you know, screwed everything up on other injuries. And, you know, I thought at the start of the year that five teams would come out of the Central, right? We have the three in the Pacific and five teams in the Central. I still think it's going to work out that way. I want Vegas to get in. I just, I don't think the math adds up. Not that I'm great at math, Kipper, but I don't think the math adds up great for them. But uh, Dallas is a team, boys, that I've been, I was waiting all year for, for them to get her going, right? Like, you know, Bones, Rick Bonus said something at one point. I know, I know how to fix this team. Then they fixed it. Then they couldn't score goals. And, um, I guess what I'm saying is I think they finally figured out their game. And if they do get in with a veteran team like that, they could be a scary uh, eighth seed, I guess they would be in the old school style. So if you're an Ontario guy, let's just say hypothetically, you know, we're pulling for the Leafs to do well, who would you want to see them face? Florida, Boston, Tampa, Carolina? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think for me it's Carolina. I, I, and this is no disrespect to Carolina. I just think, I think when you look at – you know, the Leafs have more top-end talent. I do love Carolina's depth. I think Max Domi was a great pickup, but I still think Carolina lacks a little bit of jam. And, and I say that out of respect because I love the way they play. I think the Leafs, 
uh, could match up better with them. I, I can't see them beating Florida, Tampa, uh, and I don't think they're going to match up against Boston in the first round either way. Just to keep it uh, in California for you a little bit here, the LA Kings, w- where are your expectations with them um, before we uh, let you go? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's a great story, and Todd McClellan, who I have tons of respect for, you know, the start of the season, he said he had a, you know, his opening press conference after camp or whatever and said, you know, it's time to take the next step here. The rebuild's over. And I was like, I don't know, Todd, you might be getting a little heavy yourself here. But, um, you know, their mixture of veteran guys and younger guys has been unbelievable, right? Quick, he's turned the clocks back. Kopitar's been great. Kempe's finally turned into the player that everyone out here thought he could be. Ayafolo's been good. And the most impressive thing is their back end has picked up the slack of Dewey being hurt twice, Alex Edward out all year. So, honestly, it's just a good team effort. They check hard. They stay on the right side of the puck. Um, they're, they're a pretty fun team to watch when it comes to playing the details of the game. Yeah, hopefully he's, he mentioned that before they lost uh, 6-1 to uh, Seattle. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got That's cleaned true. up pretty good. Hey, listen, we really yeah. appreciate your time, Shane. Thanks for doing this, man. All right, thanks, boys. Take it easy. Thank you. Shane O'Brien, co-host of uh, the Missing Curfew Pod. <clears throat> he is uh, a hockey guy. Like, I feel like I've played on hockey teams with at least one of him per team. Yeah. High energy, See, hockey. Love that guy. Yeah, me too. Like I, I say stuff that he says. I'm the dinosaur. <laughs> oh, the come way. on! Just, just so we're clear. Yeah, we're on the same page, and he must be 15 years younger than me. He's You're a, right, though. He was, if a, you, he was a warrior if though, back in the day when he played. When he through his career, just like you, Kipper, he was a warrior. You're right. If 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 we ran his thoughts through your mouth, people would be like, "Times <laughs> oh, have changed." Get rid of that guy. <laughs> get rid of that guy. <laughs> No good. No. Now, no. where are you? Uh, I'll go to you with uh, where are you on Nathan McKinnon? Yeah. Coming and, and not even hesitating. Jumping in, takes on Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba, of course, took a healthy run at Rantanen. Yep. And the good news is it, it doesn't appear to be long. Uh, maybe a couple of weeks. I suspect we're talking about uh, a broken finger. How many NHL fights do we think there are in a year if we are to ballpark? I'm not going to make you guess, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there's 200 NHL fights here. I don't know. How many guys break their hands per year? Was it one? Like, it's not, it's not a common thing. Guys aren't going out there breaking knuckles every time they fight. So I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was like, this guy, McKinnon, do whatever it takes, right? He, they run Rantanen. This is a divisional rival. He says, not going to happen against my team. Punches Dumba square in the noggin. Like, you know, when you're playing the Avs, you're like, ah, oh, man, they're just relentless. They keep coming. I loved it. But I'm aware that you don't want Nathan McKinnon fighting and breaking his hand. I know. So, uh, I got to think, though, uh, when you factor all of that in and you go into Calgary without – McKinnon and Landis Cog. Yeah. And you win 2-1. I think the only goal that uh, Calgary or Kemper gave up was a five-on-three that maybe got yeah, redirected. Yeah. Right? And that has to be the, the highlight. That has to be one of the... What a takeaway for the Avs. Boys, we can do it. For, for 20 other guys, yeah. not named McKinnon and Landis Cog, that is a... That's, a, that's a, one of those where... You can draw back that emotion. Is it not such a hockey thing, though? Like, Austin Matthews is out for two games, and everyone goes, well, 
can't rely on the big boy, big boy tonight. We better go do it. And all of a sudden you got no passengers and the team wins. Like, I, I think those things are related. You can't do it for a long stretch, but. And Colorado's one of those teams where, like many of these contending teams, it's, okay, what's their goaltending? He's never done it before, and Kemper was fantastic. Yeah, he was fantastic. He's actually been fantastic since, I don't know, January or something like that. So so Sammy's not bringing up Marc-Andre Fleury to them. <laughs> no, they don't have to worry about that little situation. Anyway. All right, so Sammy. You yes, with us? I'm here. What is this story out of New York about um, first pick overall, Lafreniere doing an interview in French, and the Rangers, has it been reported or it's been uh, alleged that they shut down portions of the interview because it uh, it was in French? En français. Correct. That Drury wasn't a fan of that. Now, I would imagine this is... Uh, this is growing legs. The story is growing legs probably in Quebec. Well, and probably everywhere, I, I would imagine. You know, the first thing I thought is it came from a website I haven't heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I kind of want to know the details. Like, you can't not have your players, you can't say they can't do uh, interviews in their native language, you know, in their home countries. You can't not let them do that. So what what are the Rangers, what are the rules here? Like, is Lafreniere being told he can't? Because I, I think that that would be without precedent, and that's terrible. But is it true? I want to know the details. I want this some more reporting here. Sammy, mm-hmm. do you uh, have any more details on the report? Well, I don't have it in front of me. I have it here. I just, it's basically uh, from the hockey feed. It trickled into my Twitter, but it was just saying that... Um, Luke Jelena of RDS revealed on the air yesterday that uh, Jean-Francois Chamont of the Journal de Montreal. How'd that sound? Really good. Yeah, oh, we just nailed it. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They said that when uh, Chamont and Lafreniere started speaking French, the Rangers PR told them that this interview were to keep going. It had to be in English. Yeah. And any explanation why? Because they wanted to know exactly what was being said? Correct. The that's, Rangers wanted to know. Uh, Drury wants to know and understand everything that's said and asked of his players. Oh, those sort of environments are just toxic. When you, your players can't, you know, like, what's he going to say? Like, uh, Drury uh, LaCris is, you know, like he's going to savage the GM or the team. Like, yeah. what's the risk here if he's doing these interviews? I, I need to find out more about this before I call it ridiculous. Because if it's true, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and don't you... For the most part, just trust your players to be careful here. Right. You have to trust them. It is interesting that like once a year, you'll hear like a Finnish guy or a Swedish guy have given some interview to their home paper that gets translated. And everyone's like, wait, what did he say? I remember, um, what was the guy's name? That Oh, uh, Orzhiganov. Igor Orzhiganov, he came here and he played for the Leafs and the bottom pair was just dreadful. Yeah. And it was one of the guys that Dubas brought over, just like a flyer, and he went back and just savaged Babcock to some paper. Like, just <laughs> was throwing him under the bus into the native tongue and it got translated and it didn't sound good. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, the, like, they're concerned of context getting lost in a different language and different things that are, you know, it's a different way of saying things. Like, maybe that's the perspective, but I, I don't really know why you would have that. Typically, and, and, you know, even for us to book guests, you want to go through the proper channels, 
you want to go through the Typically. PR department. Yeah. You don't, uh, and listen, I mean, early in my career, I I knew all the players. I had lots of numbers. It's yeah. really easy for me to call them and say, hey, you want to come on our show? Come on our show. And then yeah. it's like, then the team ends up a little pissed off because it's like, and I get it. I totally understand. If I was a PR department or if I was a general manager or president, I want my PR department to know who's talking and just to stay on top of all situations. Yeah. But usually what happens is the PR department will set it up mm-hmm. and, hey, you guys sit down, you talk. And then when it's over, the PR department usually comes back to their players and say, hey, is there anything I need to know? Anything uh, anything uh, out there that, uh, right. you know, we, we, we and, should worry cons- about? Right. Questionable? No, everything's fine. Or, you know, or, yeah, I did mention this and yeah. maybe... You go revisit it. or he said he drowned a puppy in Swedish. That kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and that, that's usually the way it plays out. Right. And it's pretty rare. Like you alluded to it, Kip, but it's pretty rare for these guys to say anything dumb these days. The amount of PR training, the amount of media training well, they go through. N- not only that, but we are talking about uh, Lafreniere, who's a first pick overall. Yeah. Who's got, you know, I know he's... He's only in his second year, but he's got 120 games by now under his belt. He's got media savvy. He is. He's great in front of a mic. I don't think you need to worry about him, you know, to the point where you have to, uh, you know, make sure that uh, everything's everything's sanitized. Everything's, uh, you know, heard on the spot. Yeah. But anyways, uh, interesting story. Yeah. to your point, there's probably more of this that yeah. we, you were thinking, we should hear about. You were thinking about Line A did it recently with the, the interview after he got traded out of Winnipeg. Right. He did, gave a Finnish language interview and was pretty harsh on some of the guys in Winnipeg. And, you know, so Those, that's usually the case, though. But but even where, still, even still, like, is that a big deal? That, that like one he, gets lost in. That, with that's, line a. that's where a lot of teams <laughs> find themselves, their, their players in hot situations when it's a guy who's leaving the organization or in something the summer yeah. you're talking you don't know where it is it could be at a that's, bar at 3 a.m that's yeah. the thing that's guys at the, wake fest in Kelowna yeah. at 3 a.m doing a that's liquid the, zoo interview yeah that's when the pr guys get a little scared yeah when they lose the when they're when they're not around and you know that's i mean even from my experience not to get too inside baseball but in the summertime if i'm looking to have a guy on or you know i'm trying to find some guy out like when it's, when it's the offseason, I'll just text anybody or whatever. I yeah. won't think about going through channels, but now you do because you want to be respectful. Agreed. Okay. So you, what, you you want to be one of the – in baseball, you know, some of these guys from the Dominican or wherever they are, they, they have their translators. Yeah. I, I would love one throughout my whole career. I would pretend I'm, I, I can, yeah. you know, and, well, and, and, and Malkin, I, only, I only speak yeah. Greek. Sorry, guys. Now, where's yeah. Vladdy in baseball? Does he know way more well, English than oh, he leads yeah. on? I think, I think he has a, I think he has a translator. I know he but, does, but, but, but he keep speak... him. Vladdy, if you're listening, yeah, Eddie, keep him. Edwin Encarnacion had a translator until the day he left Toronto. And speaks English. I mean, I mean, probably enough. Yeah. But I, listen. If it's if, if I'm gonna put myself, say I was me mm-hmm. going to play baseball in the Dominican, and I know I'm gonna be going to play to face the media, and they're gonna be talking to me in a different language, I am one thousand percent having a translator. Yes, like there is no way. Even if I knew how to speak it a little bit, even if I was going to Quebec or anywhere, 
I'm guaranteed having a translator because I would be terrified of saying the wrong thing to the wrong person. I got so much respect for these guys who come here and like Mikheyev was taking English lessons yeah. during his first season. You know, you hear some of these guys who are just like, ah, like David Pasternak. Get this guy in front of a mic. He'll just let her buck. Barely speaks English. Doesn't care. Others, <laughs> others don't want that, though. <laughs> just lets her it's go. Hilarious, it's hilarious, though, when the guys, you know, for example, a good example of it is Willie Nealand, who obviously speaks English. He's from Canada. But he has, like, the Canadian hockey guy dialect. You know, the way he kind of yeah. says things. And he, you know, it's a very acquired dialect that uh, yeah. I'm very well versed in. Yes. But he just sounds like a Canadian hockey guy, but he's just like the Swedish guy. I don't know. It's just funny to me. And if you don't like the whole media thing, just send your interpreter to uh, do the interview while you go for dinner. <laughs> you know, just, just whatever he face, says, I face said. Time him? Oh, yeah. yeah. For, no, you don't even, uh, he'll answer for me. He knows all my answers. <laughs> you're, you're good to go. So give him the stop. Hey. I'm just not. I know we're going to get into this a lot. Too. Hold on. Oh, can okay. I just add something to yes. this? I was with the Marlies when uh, Garrett Sparks threatened to beat up a fan on the internet. He, he basically said, "Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember that. It, it was kind of swept under the rug, more or less." But he gave away a, a stick on on Facebook, and some fan said he gave it away to a kid that had like Downs, and yep. someone said, "Oh, I have to pretend to have a disability to get a stick." And Garrett Sparks said, "I want to drag you to center ice and beat the you know what out of you." This is on the internet, you know, like, people can read it. And so we had the whole team had to have like a Leafs tutorial on how to handle social media Man. the next day. Garrett it, wasn't afraid to say things, eh? No. And that didn't go over well. No, it did not. No, that was a part of uh, things for sure. Well, I remember that game where they lost, was it 6-1 or 7-1 to somebody when he was in net and they asked him, he's like, we got to be better, guys. <laughs> remember that? It was <laughs> in the Babcock era. It's like, relax. I think we need to. When it, when it came to uh, even signing uh, autographs, mm-hmm. man, some of the best trainers could completely oh, yeah? do autographs. Oh, yeah. Really? So oh, they, we need to figure these people uh, out. They'd be signing jerseys Because this is guys. common. Like, guys will come to the room, and there's a table full of sweaters or mini four. sticks. you got to sign 400 pucks yes. before practice or whatever. Some trainers got to keep their jobs because they uh, or, or got tipped really well. You so you're tipping they, they them for that? They your signature pretty well. <laughs> you know? that. Unlike, unlike me when I'm, like, you know, you get fan mail, and there's, like, <laughs> Mark Messier's piles, like 30,000 you know, envelopes, yeah. and there's mine with, like, 12. <laughs> and I'll open one of them up, and it'd be like, hey, you're a really good player, and you're super tough, and, uh, you know, you it's great. Yeah, can you, can you get me can, – can you get Mark Messi to sign this card for me? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, kid, mail it in with the rest of the 30,000 and leave me alone. It is funny. Like, uh, fan mail is still such a thing. Like, if you go to the Gillies house, like, you know, Clark recently passed, but like cards. The, they, they love still to, sign to this cards. day, I mean, stacks of, of, you know, mail for him to sign and get back to. It's still like such a thing for people getting that we, home and touch. I, I was in that era where uh, there was only just the Opeachy hockey card. Yeah. And then like, Late 80s, early 90s, it went from, like, one company to, like, 15. Oh, yeah. Now fan mail is just through the roof, huh? Sign all these. And then, and then it died, <laughs> and now it's back like crazy again. Yeah. It's right? a huge boom right now, the cards. I don't know if it's still – I mean, last, during the pandemic, it was a huge deal, like, the cards. It was. Yeah, I don't know yeah my son is. just got – the cards now are so heavy-duty, thick, yeah, stock, all the digital and shiny. Ones and, no, NFTs? No. They are. Oh, wow, those are – Oh boy, we don't got time for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I so when I, what, I first have to sign a computer now, you do. You just sign a screen. It's fine. Uh, I yeah. No, I, it, I'm curious to see how people are interested in that. But the memorabilia market has gone through the roof. I, I it's a very real thing. 
I don't think it has. I got a Jason Allison signed jersey with his autograph, you know, for twenty bucks. Yeah, that's worth it. It's, it's worth <laughs> at least twenty two. You got to steal. Where did you find that again? Yeah, just some vintage store. Literally the side of the road. Yeah, basically. And it was the only one in there. Only jersey in there. So we got we got two topics uh, well, that we had left. Do we still? <laughs> I had something I wanted to ask you guys. All right, it's, go about, ahead. it's about tomorrow night. So do we want to save it or can I ask you now? Just quickly. We got deadline go. pickups was a thing and Sens Arena and whatever. Yeah. I just wanted to, because, you know, the last time the Jets and the Leafs played. Yeah. It was a, a hoot nanny. And it was a hullabaloo. A, a brouhaha. <laughs> Donnybrook. But it was a long time. Is that, you think that carries over? Like, do you think there's something? Like, no. I don't think it carries over at all. I kind of want it to yeah. carry there. It carry over if they were relevant to the Leafs. Yeah, maybe. It just, but, you know. It just takes one, yeah, thing. Questionable. So there's dry shot. It tinder. Just, it takes something. Yes, correct. Yeah, and that could revisit all of that emotion. It's like, like uh, if Spezzum went out there that. and like double tapped his knee or something in warm up and looked at Pionk, <laughs> yeah. that might spur things a little bit. Get the boys going. I'm sure. Which make a great Thursday night, oh, right? Well, I mean. I'm hoping for something. It's going to be a great game tomorrow night. Matthews, 50 maybe. Maybe some hoot nannies. Winnipeg's. Donnybrook. Winnipeg's. It, it, it's, a, it's a real long shot that they make the playoffs, but they still have hope. Yeah. They're, so they got to win they, their They're coming games in now. thinking must win. Prideful bunch. Sour bunch. They, yeah. they, get, they don't uh, act particularly well when they're losing or they, they're, they're, they're a Boston type team mm-hmm. that, so we'll losers. Run- Correct. We'll Which is not around. an insult to Not me. at all. I completely agree. Not me either. No, I like when a team is mad that they're losing. Sometimes I wish the Leafs were a little madder they were losing. But it just, I think that's, I was just interested in your perspective on that. But yeah, you yeah. can talk about Ottawa now if you want. I think it can be revisited really quickly yeah. here. But it's going to take something to kind of get the, the dominoes going. It won't just come. I wonder... Maybe they start a line of uh, Clifford Sim or not start, but Clifford Simmons both get in the same Simmons game or back, something. Simmons is back in. Call up Punchy. Punchy, oh, Punchy Douglas. Douglas. Call up Punchy Douglas from the A. Uh, yeah. I don't think he is. No, I. Uh, that fourth line was great last game. Statistically, that they were the best. The Leafs' best line after you asked Sammy. There, they were on for the most shot attempts for of any Leafs line. Uh, only three against by far. All the Corsi and expected goals. They were the best line for the Leafs. You know what kind of made me laugh. Uh, I think it was uh, Blackwell was asked after the game about about the game. He said, yeah, it felt like a playoff game. And you're like, for drawing on what? Is that- <laughs> Has he played a playoff game? I don't think so. <laughs> I'll look it up. I don't think he's played a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, well. It's kind of funny, though. How, about, how about the two uh, Harvard guys scoring in Boston? Kirkwood yeah, and cool. Blackwell. Yeah. There but for go. a Harvard guy... Shouldn't you know that, you know, <laughs> to say that if it felt like a playoff game, I don't I would know. have we to know feel what, what, what a playoff, playoff game is like? <laughs> Should, if you went to Harvard, would you not maybe know Har- that? Maybe Harvard was in a lot of playoff games. <laughs> Anyways, good on him. He has, uh, he's created a lot of energy for them. And, he gives ooh, them a different look. And while you bring me to this t- topic perfectly, how about this? Is it Blackwell is the first Leafs deadline acquisition oh, yes. to score in the Matthews Marner era in so, a regular season game in, in a regular season game so I'm digging it up right here yeah so we, we I mean think of all the the deadline Placanics. traits they've made mechanic this Boyle. is from Josh B Boyle. on yep. Josh B Leaf on Twitter had this out so I wanted to give him credit for for digging this up but yeah Boyle and uh and those were Lou pickups by the way yep, Ryan so we Boyle can't blame yep. Kyle Dubas right <laughs> 
But sorry, Placanic, Boyle, who else? Clifford. Clifford didn't score after getting acquired. Nick Felino. Nick Felino didn't score. Riley Nash didn't score. Yeah. I mean, he was hurt, though. Yeah. But, so, yeah. It's five, five draft picks. coming. Five draft picks. <laughs> it was only a matter they were, of time. They were due. They were due. Five draft picks for zero regular season goals. Well, you know, now they're off and running. Blackwell's so, open things up. So can you accumulate what that one goal cost the Leafs? Five draft picks. Five draft picks. <laughs> uh, two firsts? I, I don't know. I yeah, need to play the be, playoffs, no, too. Two, That's what they got two them first. For. Two firsts, two seconds. Uh, Placanitz was a second. Boyle, Boyle was, a was second. second. Um, Clifford was not a second. No, he was a trade. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else. Okay, so let's just say a, a first and two, two seconds, seconds for one goal. That's, they played in the playoffs, too. And Brian Boyle set up Kasperi Kapanen in double OT versus the Washington Capitals on a great, What a goal. Oh, my God. That was... Oh, my God. You're oh. a sick man. You had to believe in the Buddy, Leafs at that point. Got, they, they pushed the, you, the Caps you, to the brink. You pulled that one out like it happened last night. <laughs> Buddy, it's been you know, a lot like, of years with not a lot to cheer about Kapanen here. just scored in the World Juniors to win it that year, didn't yeah, he? And it he was. was like a big deal. Everyone was like, oh, it's, you know, clutch Kapanen here. And yeah. then he scored that. That one, I don't know. I just listen. There haven't been a lot of overtime winners to cheer about. They've been in a lot of OTs over the last five years. Haven't won a lot of them. Tampa Bay last night, OT winner. Mm-hmm. Stamp Coast over just Carolina. That thirtieth of the year. To me, that's uh, feels like a conference final. How about last night? I mean, so Tampa plays Carolina, and, and Stamp Coast scores the OT winner. Calgary and Colorado play. Colorado goes into Calgary and wins two to one. The Rangers and the Penguins go head to head. Like we had playoff matchups, Leafs, Bruins, some great hockey games last night. You can feel the difference in the time of year as the, the calendar starts to you know flip to April. I thought last night was an awesome night of hockey. Even and uh, even for a guy like Shesterkin, where he had that that bad week, I think he was. Uh, oh yeah, and, we, and we were like, 90. "Can't win the heart now." It's Matthews; he can't win it. <laughs> and then he goes in into <laughs> Pittsburgh, and keeps them two goals or less. Yeah, Sid scored a sick slapper last night. You see but that? That's Sid. that's where you're beating them. Uh, they're not getting uh, good looks in front of the net. Yeah, the sc- right. That's a screenshot, yeah. but that's where the Rangers, I think, are. are Pretty good, or Shesterkin's that good on his own? I, I don't know, but uh, I, I don't think uh, the Penguins got in real tight on him last night. Yeah, you know, the analytics, you don't have to like them in general, but the extreme outliers tend to be true. Like, teams that are awesome tend to be very good, and teams that are awful tend to be bad. The Rangers are awful Sh- analytically. Shesterkin, to me, is the closest to Vasilevsky when it comes to uh, covering the bottom half of the yeah, net. Yeah, like splits and splits. just post-to-post. He's, yeah, takes it's, that away pretty easy. Yes, McCabe's working that, on that on a, on a breakaway. Right, you know, he's not working on that. Mrazic, yeah, <laughs> is. He's not doing that. Um, uh, a bet tonight for people who are the betting types. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights are starting to get no love. You know, they've obviously fallen off. But if you take them in regulation tonight against Seattle, you can get them at ease, even money. The Kraken, the Vegas to beat the Kraken, even money. You just got to take them in regulation to win. Uh, that's where I'm placing my. They, they, it, Love two that. units. They, they lose tonight. It's over for Vegas. You think their backs are against the wall here? Like, what are we how many at? how many games they're in out hand? of the playoff spot? How many games in hand? God, they're in real trouble, boys. So they played three more games than Dallas, and they are a, a point, point back. behind them. Behind With them. three more games played, mm-hmm. and only fourteen games left for them. 
That was a huge come-from-behind win for Dallas last night against Anaheim. Only chance Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Vegas have is Dallas just quitting, just falling apart. Otherwise, Dallas is going to find a way. So Vegas doesn't make it, and somewhere our boy Andrew Peters smiles. Oh, yeah. An angel just got its wings. (laughs) For Jack Eichel. Thanks to Jimmy Ralph, Toronto Maple Leaf Radio color analyst, and Shane O'Brien from Missing Curfew. JB. Thanks, Kipper. Good two hours. Sammy, Jennifer, and Derek, always a pleasure. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening on all our podcast platforms. Give us a rating and review. Give us a like. Do that, please. We sure like uh, having you along for the ride. I'm Nick Kiprios. Have a great night. We're back tomorrow.